Y'all please be seated. And if we could too, in whatever sections you guys are in, kind of slide towards the middle. There's some folks still looking for seats. We're pulling out some chairs, but we'll do our best because there's a few open seats here and there. All that to say is, man, I am so excited to be with you guys this Easter Sunday. My name is John. I serve as pastor here at the Springs. Whether it is your first time here to the Springs, you're, you're a family member, or it's your first time back in church, and you're working through Jesus or Christianity, or, or you've got baggage from services like this in the past, wherever you are, we are really glad that you're here. We're going to spend our time today talking about the resurrection and what it means for your life and what it means for mine. But before we jump into that, I want, I want to share with you guys just a bit of a story that I've really had my mind wrapped around all week as I have been thinking and praying for this Sunday. The story starts, though, one of the things about me, if you don't know, know me very well, I, I really enjoy going off-road, right? Like in vehicles, in anything, go-karts, dirt bikes, four-by-fours, whatever you want to do. If there's a place where you can go, I just enjoy that. For some reason, and I don't know if this happens in you, like, man, as soon as my car, like, shifts onto grass, or there's even, like, kind of like a gravel road, immediately I just start to becoming, like, a six-year-old. Just want to floor it, do donuts, want to have fun, all that kind of stuff. Well, as you can imagine, that leads to a lot of really fun memories, and then some memories where you're like, man, I wish I could get that one I want to share with you guys one of those times. I was with a group of friends. We were out in deep East Texas, right? We were at this retreat center. We were coming back. We'd spent a late night. We'd went bowling. There was me and a buddy and then three gals in the car. Late at night. We're driving back and we come. We're trying to get to this camp. There was kind of a, a long way to get back into the camp. And then there was like this bridge that should have been there. It would have been a shortcut. It should have been there. But this bridge, there'd just been a major storm to where it had been completely washed out, to where you came and you start to turn down this bridge to see the way, the path that you could get there, the one that's shortest, man, it is just caked in mud. There's mud everywhere. It's late at night, got these gals in the car. My buddy, he turns around, he sees me in the back seat, and he says, what do you think? And I'm like, why are you even asking, man? We have to go. The girls are there, and they're like, please don't go. Can we just take the long route? We don't want to get stuck. They were so kind and sweet. And they're like, no, no, you can trust us. We've got this. So my buddy, and, and if you know cars, you'll get what I'm talking about. Like, he's in, like, a great car, but just like a stock two-wheel drive Tahoe. So we were not really set up for success as we did this. But what we did have is we had ambition and zeal and hopefully plenty of momentum to carry us through. But all that to say is, so he starts down this hill, and then you come and you pick it up, and you hit this mud section, right? And all of a sudden, tires are spinning, mud's throwing, but man, it's moving, it's moving. And we only had to cross 30 yards, not far at all. It's moving, and it's going. But if you've ever been in mud or dirt, something starts to happen, right? You have this momentum at the beginning, then all of a sudden, you start to slow down. The back end starts to like slide a little bit, and then you start to get nervous, and so you start trying to pick a different line and shift different ways. And the back end is we're driving this vehicle. It just starts to get lower and lower and lower. Y'all ever been in a boat, how boats like that? Yeah, that's what we were in, basically, until we got to the point, my buddy in his Tahoe, stuck, tires spinning. 11.30 at night, girls are looking at us like, you idiots. And I'm looking at them like, we deserve that, right? But man, tires are spinning. He tries to rock it, put it in reverse. None of that works. So there we are. He's got to drive. I'd help get us into this mess. So man, I take off my shoes because there's mud everywhere. It's 34 degrees out. Roll up my jeans, jump out, plop straight down in that mud. Went halfway up through my shin. There I am. And I'm putting twigs and branches. I'm putting rocks underneath this tire, trying to get it a sense of traction. I'm out back behind it, man. I am pushing with every ounce of energy, every clever thought I can think of. Man, if I do this jog, uh, a, a lever, this uh, log beneath the tire, man, maybe I can use a lever to kind of push us out. None of it is working. And every time he goes to hit the tires and I'm back behind it pushing, guess what happens? Dude, I am covered in mud. It is so cold. It was so terrible. It really was about that time. I was like, man, really should have let the ladies make that call, right? As I'm just wearing it. 
I share that because at that point, I realized, man, there's nothing I can do to change this. There's nothing he can do. We are stuck. I did then what all good people know to do is they call a good old boy, right? Hopefully every single one of you have a good old boy, a friend with a big old truck who was out there with us with this long winch recovery line. I call him, man, he shows up, massive tires, mud's nothing to him. He turns it around. He runs this line to the front of it. I sit in the back like muddy, soaked, sweating. Girls are like, ew, don't touch me, which is very fair at that point, right? And my buddy comes, he lines it up, he tightens the rope. Boom. He pulls us straight out. He like didn't have to try. I had given it all this effort. And man, he just drags us right out of the mud. I was once stuck. And immediately, I became unstuck. The reason I share that with you this morning is because I think a lot of times, as you come into a service like this for Easter, people come and and they can tend to feel stuck. Like, they can tend to feel stuck whether you believe in Jesus Christ or or you don't. Like, you, you believe in God. You come here and you celebrate Easter, yet you're stuck in God feels far from me. Like you believe in God and yet there's an area of your life that's consistently marked by sin and you don't want it and you don't know what to do. You consistently feel stuck in relationships around you. Your marriage isn't getting better. It may not even be staying the same. It it may be getting worse. Or you're a student, you go to school and just feel stuck because you feel misunderstood, left out and forgotten by everybody. You feel stuck. And we can all tend to do that, whether, whether you believe in God or, or you don't. There can be this sense of like discontentment with where I am. And this realization of who I am today is not who I wish I was. The reason we start with that is because today I want to talk through how do you and I change? How do you and I change? How do we become unstuck? The reason that I spent time thinking about that this week, and especially with where we are in approaching Easter, is the continued realization in my own life, God has done by his grace and his grace alone amazing things. I was delivered from the pit and he has put me in a position as a son. He has brought newness to me where there's been this brokenness, this decay, this sin that is shed. But I know I still have a whole lot more. Like, yes, I'm forgiven and free, I'm redeemed, but there's still area of my life where I want change. There's still area of my life where I want unstuck. And the truth of Easter is this, because of the resurrection, because of the power of the resurrection, the spirit that rose Christ from the grave, if you're here and you believe. We should never be stuck. If you're here and you believe with all your might, you're trying, you're pushing, you're doing anything you can to change your financial situation, your parenting scenario, the dating relationship that you wish would work out, the girl that you wish would actually notice you at school, whatever. Finding contentment, peace, love, and joy in your life. There's a divine power not from within you. It's from without. And the resurrection proves there's no scenario in your life. There's no scenario in mine where we cannot change. We cannot grow. So today, Easter Sunday, I want to spend our time talking through how because of the resurrection, you and I have the privilege to never be the same, to never be the same. I think it it especially matters to me because as I think back on Easter's in the past, I I can remember coming and connecting and wanting to go to something and then go to lunch with my family. It was this great family meal. I had a wonderful time, family heritage tradition to it. If you're here with your family, bless you. My family's back in Georgia. My wife and daughter are here, but I wish they were here. I wish that was a part of it. That's a good thing. But the reason that Easter matters so much as we think through never be the same is the truth is every time we come to gather, we come before a king 
and we say, would you help me to be more loving? Would you help me to be more patient? Would you help me to be more kind? Would you help me to have, have a, a pursuit of excellence that honors you and inspires others, not try to cut corners? Would you help me to have a marriage that radiates the truth of your love? We come on Easter and we say, will you help? The resurrection proves he will always help. He will always help. I think the other thing, especially if, if this service is one where, man, you got dragged by family or because it's like a Christian high holiday, so to say, you came back to check it out. And especially if you have baggage with the church, which I get. I think why this truth matters so much and how Christ and the resurrection can lead to change, I think it matters so much because the resurrection is, yes, it is a historical event. It changed the calendar, time as we know it. I'd put before you, God Almighty died, and then he picked his life back up again three days later. The tomb was empty, a historical event. But what I pray you see today, I pray you see today is it's not just historical, it's personal. How the power of resurrection is, yes, it took place then, but because of Christ, it takes place now. In my heart, and if you will yield in yours. So where are we gonna see this? We are gonna look at just one verse. It's probably my favorite chapter in the Bible. We can't do them all because we'd be here all day long. We're going to look at one verse out of Romans chapter 8. If you have a Bible, you can start turning there. If you don't, you can pull out a phone and act like you're reading the Bible and really check your Instagram, whatever you want to do, right? But we will have the verses on the screen. You can track along. It's just one. And it's really acting as a summary theme for the truth that we're trying to teach today. It's acting as this summary cry of faithfulness saying, because of the resurrection, never be the same. And specifically, we're going to talk about it in two ways. We're going to talk about how the resurrection, it always leads to life. That life can come in the first way of faith. What I mean by that is coming to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior by faith. It's a new life. And the second way is a new living. That's where like Jesus Christ doesn't want uh, Christian converts who get mixed up in a sense of worldliness to where no one can really tell the difference. Right, Christians, we don't have to have it all together. Like as the world comes and they say, well, man, you guys are just a bunch of hypocrites. Well, far often we are. The question comes from the power of the Holy Spirit is though the righteous fall seven times, do they get back up? Do they own their sin? Do they take responsibility for it? Do they seek to crucify the flesh? Because he was crucified for it. And that's why the second theme we'll talk about, not just a new life, but a new living. If you're unfamiliar with Romans, a little bit of background, it was written by the Apostle Paul. Paul, big time church leader, he wrote it towards the latter end of his life. He wrote this long dissertation to the church in Rome. Christians gathered there. It's essentially in a lot of ways, it's like the Mount Everest of Christian theology, doctrine, just thoughts and views of God. And he walks them through different sections, your brokenness and your sin, salvation, a relationship with God not coming by you trying to be a better version of yourself. God wants nothing to do with that. Salvation coming by faith and by faith alone, by what you believe, not by how you behave. And then he inserts this, this chapter in here to talk about what I'd say is sanctification. Right? There's a summary theme a lot of folks would call it. This chapter is life in the spirit. Right? A, a way to say that with a little less Christian lingo is what your relationship with God looks like. What your relationship with God looks like. The verses that precede the one we're going to pick it up, like 1 through 10, there's two themes. It talks about what does life look like when you walk by the flesh. Flesh is just the part of any person, this resides in a Christian as well as non-Christian, that says, I don't want to do what God wants. I want to do what I want. What happens when we walk by the flesh? And the other theme is what happens when we walk by the Spirit? 
the Holy Spirit in our life. And as you'll see from this summary theme, what happens when we walk by the Spirit is the privilege to never be the same. So if you have a Bible, read with me briefly. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. If the Spirit of Him, Him being God, if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. I'm going to read it one more time. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead, will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now, if you're here, and we're gonna break down this passage in just a second, and you hear that, I pray if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, that's one of the most comforting passages of your entire Bible. It's speaking to, the, to this reality as, as we look at how you can never be the same. It's not because of anything within you. It's because of Christ in you. It's because of the resurrection power of the Holy Spirit. Let let me show you what I mean. Before we break this text down, there's three things we kind of have to understand from it. There's three phrases we have to pull out. The first is the beginning, raised Jesus from the dead. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. If, If you're here and you're wondering about the Christian faith, here's what is absolutely true. We believe that God sent his son to be born, to embrace full humanity without ever leaving his deity, his his godness. He lived a perfect life. It was on the cross, he paid the penalty for every wrong thing that I have ever done. Every bit of my deceit, my sin, my brokenness to go towards images that were never mine to see. My desire for greed, materialism, to find comfort through food and not in him my proclivity towards anxiety, my contentment with a mild sense of depression, all of it. He came to die for every sin of mine, past, present, future. He did that on a cross. He hung there for just over six hours, where at the end, he has this beautiful statement. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. He came to die that I, that you, might be forgiven. And the beautiful truth is he didn't stay dead, which is why Christians are Christians, which is why we say this is true, which is why the world calendar changed, why historians, secular and spiritual, acknowledge the historicity of the event. Came back from the grave. He came back and he demonstrated himself to a people to show I've come for you. I've come to bring life. Everything I've said, everything you doubted, all of your sin I've paid for. Believe. Believe. The first thing you have to understand as we approach this text is the truth. We believe he was raised from the dead for the forgiveness of sins. The second thing you have to see it is the second theme, and it shows up twice. The Spirit who raised Jesus Christ from the dead, who dwells in you. This is the beautiful link, by the way, that connects this entire theme today. How the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit that God sent, that raised Christ from the dead, he took his life back up. That same Holy Spirit if you're a follower of Jesus, is in you. It is in me. Not not a lesser, not a different. That same spirit that rose him from the grave, I have. Here's why this matters so much. We'll see it through the text. You ever get around people, especially with spiritual things, where they just, they say things like, well, man, I just can't. I, I, I just can't. It won't work. It just doesn't work for me. It just won't happen. Right, man, I I can't forgive them. If you knew what they did, you wouldn't even ask me to. I can't forgive them. I I can't see how God could be good. 
I can't see it. I asked for prayer and for healing, and there was no healing. Therefore, he didn't hear the prayer. He can't be good. I can't consider taking my money, which he has entrusted to you, which he has entrusted to me, and saying, God, it's yours. I can't. Why? Because, man, if you'd had the background that I did, what you went through, I got to give my family a different life. Money, yes, it doesn't solve problems, but it sure makes life easier. I need security in that, not in him. I just can't. I can't imagine dating differently. I can't imagine pursuing purity because if I pursue purity, what will he think of me? What will she think of me? Would they still date me? I don't know if Christ is enough. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, when it comes to the pursuit of holiness, there is nothing that God will not help you do. The power of the resurrection through his spirit resides within you. And the final thing, this is why I love my Bible. It always tells you not just what and not just who does it, but it tells you why. What is the Holy Spirit's intention in your life and in mine, church? The Spirit will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit. You and I have the Holy Spirit within us that is meant to bring life. And and not just a superficial life. Like like Jesus says, "I, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly, which is why I really do believe that oftentimes when non-Christians look at Christians and they say things like, man, they're just as depressed, just as confused, just as upset, just as broken, just as immoral as us, I'm like, yes, that makes complete sense why you would say that. Complete sense. What should be the changes? We are imperfect, yet because of the power of God's spirit within us, we are not a slave to sin. We can walk in a new life, never be the same. I can remember uh, going to Easter, I don't know, this must have been 10 years, 12 years ago, sitting there hearing the pastor give a sermon, I'm sure it was amazing, right? He's giving this talk where I can remember towards the end, he started talking about Jesus. Like, not, not just in terms of like, hey, he died, he came back. Like, everybody kind of got that. But he started talking about, hey, the one who died and has risen, he loves you. He died for you. He didn't die for a shallow, superficial sense of love with you. He died to where you could view him as everything. As the one who loves you more than anyone, is the, anyone else. Is the one who's always for you, even though... When you walk around and it be other kids at school or other people at your college or other singles looking around and you always tend to feel the lesser, he would never leave you feeling that way. That he came for you and he came for me. Why? He wants us to have a new life. What is the role that the Spirit brings? New life gives life. What's the first place that that shows up in your life and in mine? Here's what I put before you. Faith. Faith, coming to the realization that Jesus Christ, this is not just an American cultural uh, uh, tradition where we gather, that this is not, as I thought for a long time, like a fable or a good storytelling to help make people feel better but a sincere belief, my sin killed him. But his love came to save me from it. And thank God he is gracious because he extends me mercy. The first way that because of the resurrection, you and I were never the same, it's, man, we have a new life. There's a new life that resides within each one of us who believe. And the key word here is believe, because for the longest time I came 
right? And I'll just use, like this shirt, it's blue. If you were here a few weeks ago, my shirts were black. If you come in a couple weeks, right, they'll be black again. I was told, John, you can't wear black on Easter. It's depressing. Makes a lot of sense. You guys look much nicer than me. Don't worry. My wife reminds me consistently I'm trying to up my game. All that to say is, right, in, in a simple way, and man, I love pastels. My daughter got a whole new dress. My wife looks beautiful. Like, I love dressing up for Easter, right? Hey, we got it. That was quick, right? <laughs> love dressing up for Easter. But man, it's one of those where that was really how I viewed my relationship with God. Like, you, t- you take the Easter, the pastels, the nice polos, the new shoes, the summer dresses, the fact you can wear white now till Labor Day. I thought... Man, if I come and I clean myself up, if I could just stop looking at what I keep looking, if I could just stop trying to find life in the bottom of a bottle, hoping I'll really find emotional validation through a female that will finally make me feel better, even though there's a discontentment to my soul that only Christ could satisfy. Man, if I could stop speaking the way I speak. Man, if I could just go back to church. If I could just read my Bible more, if I could just sin less, if I could just work, if I could just work, there was not enough Easter pastel in the world to make me holy. The new life, the reality that because of the resurrection, you and I never be the same, it does not start from you trying to be a better version of yourself. If you don't believe in him, it starts with a conviction by his spirit, realizing you can't be a better version. You're a broken version, which is why he came to die, which is why he had to forgive me, which is why he rose from the grave, proving this is true. There's new life. I got to see this new life show up in an amazing way, and I am intentionally bragging on a member of my family that I love dearly. My sweet sister-in-law, she, she came to, to know Christ from a younger age, but what happens with new disciples when they are not discipled? They don't live as disciples, right? To where her life continued in a path of trying to find life in all the wrong places, same types of paths that I knew. Well-worn by many of us here in this room where for many years she went on trying to fill the the eternity-shaped hole, excuse me, in her heart. She described, what did that leave her feeling? Pain and shame. How did that show up in her, trying to find life in the party? There there wasn't a a good enough drink or good enough uh, substance to fully take the edge, trying to find life, and hey, what if they think about me? If he's into me, if if he approaches me, if he likes me, Broken relationships with people rather than trying to find it in the one person of blessing. It left her with a sense of self-worth that was non-existent because she was trying to find worth in every place it couldn't. To a sweet, beautiful young girl feeling suicidal with two failed attempts. And what happened? The resurrection began to become true in her life. The reality of it, standing beside the king, not just in faith, but in faithfulness, began to change and a new life began to come. To where from that time, in the past year, I have gotten to see her go from anxiety to peace. Gossip to believing and speaking the best. She is a trophy of grace and she is setting a pace of holiness for people who've walked with Christ far longer than she. She has a heart to go and tell people good news in a different way, to her with sincerity. And if you used any relationship that you have to invite people to come and hear about the good news of Jesus, praise you. I think she invited more folks. Y'all, I'm telling you, The woman who once was is not the woman who is this woman of dignified beauty, knowing worth comes from the Father, a new life. Why? Through a growing realization that because the resurrection, he loves her. He 
died for her, not part of her, but all of her. And there's freedom. There's liberty. There's beauty. It's a privilege. Because of the resurrection, never be the same. The same theme is true just for folks who really come and they kind of grasp faith for the first time and they really go headlong in it, as well as folks who come and then they would say they've walked with Christ for decades. They've been faithfully striving. One of the things that always tends to happen is you get around a group of Christians, I can at least, and all of a sudden I begin to become complacent with sin in my life. Like, I begin to not take things seriously that Jesus takes seriously. That I begin to almost not even view it that I'm stuck, but tolerate it. One of the things that's true about the resurrection, it's true that you and I, we don't just have new life, but we have newness of life. We don't just have a new life, we have a new living. We're going to look at one verse here. It's Romans 6, verse 4. It's a helpful one in me in in kind of clarifying this. I'll read it, and you can find it on the screens. We, We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, to set that up, what he's saying is when you come to faith, there's a reason Christians, once they come to faith, they say, hey, let's baptize you. Because baptism, it's a picture of what has taken place spiritually, The old is gone, lowered into the water. The new one has come, raised in newness of life. That's that's baptism verse, right? We too. So in light of this faith, what happens to us, church? We too might walk in newness of life. Newness of life, what it means there is having a divine ability to grow in love and overcome sin. Newness of life looks like to where however long you walk with Jesus, abide with Christ, to where next year you are more humble, to where next year you are more loving, to where next year you are more gracious, to where next year you are more self-control, to where next year you take repentance more seriously, to, to where next year, if you're a student, you don't go into schools trying to find validation of what people think about you online, where you sit in the lunchroom, or how they talk to you in a class. No, you find self-worth from what he thinks. To where next year, your dating relationships, they look totally different. To where next year, your marriage, it looks totally different. I wanted to come and teach this this Sunday because I realized in me, I drift towards not wanting, not seeking, not living in a new way, a new life. Church, we should never be stuck. Does that mean we won't struggle? No, he uses the struggles. Does it mean we won't have difficulty? No. Does it mean you won't sin? No. Does it mean it will be worth it? Yes. I got an amazing text message this week from a uh, friend of mine. I had the privilege of, of stepping into this role about a year and a half ago. I moved to New Braunfels about a year and a half ago. And right at the beginning, I can remember meeting this woman, this amazing woman, connecting with her. She had friends around her, a, a community group, comforting her. And we talked about her husband. We talked about this man who was absent emotionally, Physically, spiritually, he was absent. Who was entirely self-centered to where the words she would have used and the words she did use is meant she felt like a single parent. And if honest, he was like a child. Resenting him for the brokenness, wondering why would God allow this? Why must she have to endure? Why must she continue? And man, there was pain. This was a man that said he knew Christ. This was a man who Jesus Christ had transformed. And then because of a lack of continuing to walk with the Spirit so as not to gratify the desires of the flesh, he'd gone back. 
to where his life was marked by addictions in all the wrong ways, finding comfort in all the wrong places. But newness of life began to come to him a few months ago. A remembrance of the power of the resurrection began to track him down. To where I can remember there was finally a point of such dysfunction in his life and his marriage with his kids. To where we came and we had a meeting and this man, he sat there. And it's in one of those moments where in holy honesty, there was, you are the epicenter of the dysfunction in your family. You have damaged, dishonored the name of Jesus Christ. You are not living in response to the resurrection. In his heart there was, you're right. He went and he took steps that few followers of Jesus Christ do. He went to go do two things. How do I walk in a newness of life? How do I never be the same? Newness being, man, how can I fight to grow in a love for Christ? And then two, how do I take an honest examination of my sin? Because it's killing me and it's killing them. He wrote it all out. He confessed to friends who loved him, prayed for healing, helping him walk in repentance, never looking at him in condemnation or judgment, but seeing him as a trophy of grace in the power of repentance where all the angels rejoice. And his wife last week shared with him, here's every way you've hurt me. No better thing to do on Holy Week. Here's the ways you've discouraged, dishonored, and hurt. And she goes through this list not knowing what to think, but empowered by the courage of the Holy Spirit. And what does he say? You're right. Will you forgive me? Knowing he stands forgiven in Christ, but knowing Christ holds him accountable and he must seek forgiveness with his bride. You know what that created in her? A sense of trust. Because she, just like all of us, man, you almost go and you test the water to share some part, but you don't share all of it because you don't know how they'll respond. She says, well, hey, there's a little more. And she shares that last part. You know, that, that part that you want to share, but it just cuts. And as iron sharpens iron, she wounded him. You know how he responded? You're right. Will you forgive me? This man who once expected trust to be given, who demanded respect, is now, because of the resurrection, knowing the reality of newness of life, how Christ came so that men like me, men like him, men and women like you, yes, might never be the same once we come to faith, but that me might walk in a faithfulness to where the others look on that and they say, that's not normal. And you'd say, it is, man. It is what his spirit resides in you and his spirit leads to life. It's how a group of Christians, a church, becomes an actual place that's a city on a hill, a light in the midst of a dark and perverse generation. Not a place that people just drive past and just think hypocrites, judgmental, condemning, but a place marked by repentance that loves all yet never neglects truth. Because of the resurrection, never be the same. My friend, he, like me, he has a long way to go in restoring trust continually with his wife. A long way to go in restoring trust continually with his kids. But because of the resurrection, because of the Holy Spirit, it's no longer, I can't. It's no longer, it's too hard. It's no longer, well, they should it's no longer, well, did you think about this? It is, yes, God, take more of me. He came to set me free. He came to set you free. Because of the resurrection, we live, we walk in freedom. I just want to remind us all. Why do we come and we gather on Easter? We gather 
specifically, even though we do it every day, specifically to remember the resurrection. Resurrection in the life of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Resurrection in our lives. And for those of us who come here and we say we believe, here's what's true. You have the supernatural power because of the Holy Spirit to bring about holy transformation, redemptive change, who you are. God always wants to keep growing, to be more like him. And the amazing thing, he loves to help. He wants to come and he wants to help me to grow to be more like him. He wants to come and he wants to help me to walk in a newness. He wants to come and he wants to help me to never be the same. Turn to me and be gracious to me, O Lord, as is your way with those who love your name. Church, let me end with this. When when you think about your life, when you think about what you believe, are you the same? Like, are are you the same as, as last Easter, three Easter's before, times before? See, oftentimes when folks come in here, there there tends to be kind of three categories of folks, and I in my life, man, in different seasons, I've fallen into each one. First one is there's folks who come here, man, and with a grip on the reality of the Holy Spirit's role in their life, they're saying, yes, I am seeking to change. I'm imperfect, but he's invincible, and he's on my side. And because of that, there's newness. I am more joyful. I am more forgiving. I am more gracious. I am less controlling. I am less threatening. I'm not as greedy. I am more generous. I don't view children as a hassle. I view them as disciples to be made and sent out. Growing in a realization of knowing, no, never be the same. And then there's a second Second category, right? And I, and I don't know if this is you, but you come and you, you know the truth of Easter. You believe in the reality of the resurrection. You believe Jesus Christ paid the penalty for your sins. Then when we come, there's something that just beats true in your heart that says that is right. That is good. It's of eternity. Yet in your life, man, there's this distance There's this discontentment. There's a toleration of a marriage that shouldn't be. There's a false faith for students where they come and they say they believe this just because their parents expect them to believe it. Not because they themselves believe God himself died and rose from the grave. There's a view of the way we steward purity that says, well, hey, I just can't change. I just don't know how, or I can't tell them, or I can't extend forgiveness, or they wouldn't understand. There's this thought that, man, I've tried meeting with God throughout the day, waking up early, getting coffee, going in the evening, connecting with him. It just doesn't work for me. Man. Are you the same? Because that second category, what what, what you must know is there is a God in heaven who wants to help you. And the dysfunction I bring in my life, it's not his fault, it's self-inflicted. And I have one that has come to not just save me, but to continually save me from myself and help me. Never be the same. The resurrection's too marvelous, it's too beautiful to do that. And then there's a third crowd, and, and for much of my life, this was me, which is either the, the like deeply confused in faith or the folks who honestly, man, you just don't really care. Here's what I would share. How's it going for you? Like, how are you doing? Like, if you're enjoying what you're getting, keep going. Because here's what is true. Here's what you will come to find out. There's a way that will seem right to you, but its end will bring pain. And my prayer is that pain brings you back to a father in heaven who's came to love you the entire time. There won't be condemnation. There won't be judgment. There will be redemption, celebration, forgiveness, 
And maybe you're like me. You grew up going to Easter services and somebody would have said, if they would have asked you, man, are you a Christian? It would have been, yes. But man on the inside. That word really means nothing to you. The same thing as if somebody said, are are you a Protestant? Yes. Right? Do you go to school here? Yes. It's just a cultural association. Not a Holy Spirit-driven Christ conversion. Come. He loves you. He died for you. There's nothing you must do. By faith, be forgiven. Jesus has always done this. He's transformed men and women throughout eternity, and he's still doing it today. So church, pray with me that we would never be the same. Father, I thank you for this truth in my life. God, I'm asking that you would continue to start with me, that you would help me to look more like you and less like me, to be more gracious, to be more loving, to be more joyful, to be more patient. Father, I'm asking that you would come and you would change people's attorneys in a way that only you can. You do what you started on that hillside outside Calvary, which is redeem eternity. I thank you for this truth. I thank you for your love. I thank you for what that love means in my life, in the lives of those around us. So God, as we come and we gather on Easter, would you remind us that we are not meant to be stuck? Would you remind us that we are not meant to be complacent, that we have been called ones, ones called out, ones dearly loved, not just loved, ones fully forgiven, ones cherished, redeemed, made new. The old is gone, the new is come. One whom you say, son, whom you say, daughter. Lord, we need your help in remembering that. We need your help walking, living in a spirit which resides, that gives life. We thank you for the power of your resurrection and we celebrate it through song now. Because of the resurrection? Never be the same. Because of the resurrection? Because of the resurrection, never be the same. Because of the resurrection, never to be the same. Because of the resurrection, of the resurrection never be the same because of the resurrection never be the same because of the resurrection never be the same is risen he is risen indeed right because of the resurrection never be the same codependent trying to find identity and worth through relationships and people apart from god that's not you you're complete you're found new in christ because of the resurrection living with unforgiveness living in a heart of saying no god i I won't forgive them no never be the same Be filled with grace as he's come to free you, 
because of the resurrection, anger and self-control are not fruits of the Spirit. They shouldn't mark you. What should? Peace, love, joy. Never be the same, church. Because of the resurrection, adulterer, like you who look at a woman with lustful intent in your heart, have you not already committed adultery? Who has he made you to be? Pure. To be free, to be redeemed. Never be the same. Divorce is this mark of like a scarlet letter. Not in the kingdom of God. There's a freedom. There's a hope. There's a redemption. Never be the same. Anxious and insecure, never be the same. Liar and deceiver, never be the same. Victim. He was no victim to the cross. He came, he laid his life down. And then he, in power, he took it back up. The same power that came and rose him from the grave, it lives in me. It's made a home. If you're here and you're a believer, it lives in you. So church, are we the same? Because of the resurrection, may we never be. May we trip our way towards eternity's gates, but may we run ever faster. Never be the same. Thank you guys for coming and joining us as we celebrate Easter. Hallelujah, man. Come on. If you don't know what that looks like in your life, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, please, here's what I'm asking. Don't leave here. Come and talk to my friends, the divorced, the adulterers, the, the, the controlling, the anxious, the ones who've been freed. We'd love to talk with you about it. If you're here and you just feel stuck, like there's a, a component of your relationship with God where you just can't get past it, don't leave. Come, talk with me talk with my friends but for those of you that go go in celebration of the resurrection go knowing never be the same don't settle for anything less because of the holy spirit within you knowing he loves you as you are and he helps you want and he wants to help you be everything he intended y'all go have a great week of worship we'll see you next week